running boom of the 70s came during simpler pre-internet times. A unique cast of characters riding that wave came of age. You never knew who would show up, and races became household names, attracting capacity fields year in and year out. Co-hosts Ron Galuli, John Gorman, and Grant Whitney, inspired by the first runners reunion in 2019, speak with some of the characters of the era, share their stories, and where they are today. There's something for everyone in each installment of the Runners Reunion Podcast. Good afternoon, avid listeners of the Runners Reunion Podcast. This is uh, Season 2, Episode 9, and we're really delighted before we uh, go on a break, because Ron has to go surfing for most of the summer, to have with us one of Massachusetts' own, Mark Coogan. For those of you who are really uh, probing your memory banks, you can remember Mark as the first male runner from Massachusetts to break four minutes in the mile, a two-time Olympic marathoner, talk about making a transition there, and most recently coaching uh, Team New Balance here in Boston. And we should also note that uh, earlier this year, February, to be precise, Mark, along with Scott Douglas, came out with a new book, Personal Best Running, Coach Coogan's Strategies for the Mile to the Marathon. Mark, thank you so much for joining us on the Runners Reunion Podcast. Thank you. I'm really happy to be here. I've been looking forward to this for a couple of weeks now. Well, I hope we don't disappoint. Uh, that's for darn sure. And, and since I know you were in Boston uh, for the marathon, and it was certainly an interesting event, I imagine it was quite busy for you. Any thoughts, any reactions that you'd like to share with our listeners, kind of the postmortem, so to speak? Um, one, one big thing that I took from Boston was, and I was thinking this before the race even started, why wasn't anybody talking about Evans too bad? It was just Kipchoge, 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 but Evans won Boston and he won New York last fall and he's quite a runner himself. And I didn't think anybody could just run away from, <laughs> I didn't think Kipchoge was going to run away with them with the hills and everything. And then, and I was also like, I always thought it was a little bit weird that he didn't see the course or he didn't like train specifically for Boston. He just did his normal marathon prep, which is probably, there's probably nothing wrong with it, but Boston is a, a little bit of a different beast, isn't it? Yeah, I was, I was going to, I, I am no, I, I ran it for charity twice just to do it. And, you know, I've heard people say you got to respect the distance, which obviously he does and he's done it successfully. But there is something about this one. It's not flat. It's not a Berlin or a Rotterdam or a London even. So what, what do you yeah. think? And, and, and didn't see the course beforehand other than to drive it. Yeah. So I, don't, I mean, I, I, my guess is with the new shoes and everything and how hard he trains, he figured he wasn't going to get any muscle damage. He was just going to be able to treat it like any other marathon. But really, with all those downhills coming out of Hoptington, going through Ashland and stuff like that, and even I remember when I ran it, like going from Wellesley down to Newton Lower Falls, that was a heck of a downhill. Like I can remember already being a little bit sore when I ran it, climbing up over 128. Like I, I was like, "Damn, my quads are already a little bit sore," and I'm only screaming like, a little bit. I'm not sure, okay. like six, a little bit, yeah, like you know, and that's only like at 16 or something. I'm not even sure. And and then um, I also remember you know, getting through the hills, but not being able to pick my legs up to get over the train tracks at Cleveland Square, I was so beat up, you know, oh, you make yeah. that left. And I was ruined. So I, I think you really do have to um, do some 
course specific preparation for Boston, no matter who you are, you know, you're the, you know, the greatest marathoner of all time. Um, Boston's Boston. Boston's Boston. Well, and hopefully he got a little uh, humble pie, so to speak, and he will come back and maybe treat it uh, because it is one of the two, I guess, that he still wants to run and, and make sure he adds them to the trophy case. So hopefully, hopefully that's uh, indeed the case. So, um, but I had the same th same thought. Fourteen seventeen through the first five uh, k was like yeah. that feels a little rich. Um, it does. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. It's yeah. pretty fast. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, and then well, last weekend in London, holy cow, in London. Oh, oh my gosh. They ran last weekend. Jeez. Right, right. And he was there. Give him credit for that. Yeah. He was, you know, he yeah. was, uh, you know, uh, promoting and showing. And I, I just think his 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 mindset, generally speaking, is, is one of the things that I find fascinating. Uh, I think there's a lot to be learned from that, perhaps even outside of it. Have you have you had occasion to you know talk with anybody in his circle or or are there any elements of uh, kind of his prep? that are you've already instilled say in the athletes that you're working with today no no like what like when like when with the people that i coach we we talk about mental toughness but we don't talk about it as like you got to run through a wall like we talk about it in a way that you have to race smart and you have to be honest with yourself if you're if you're in 210 shape or 220 shape you have to you have to know that that's what you are you're not you're not if you're a 210 guy and you go out at 203 or 205 you're in big trouble so like i think being mentally tough is being smart and running the, the, the race that you're capable of on that day it sounds like resilience in the moment and recognizing where your, your strengths and your yeah weaknesses. it's important yeah. to be honest with yourself when you're racing right you don't want to get ahead of yourself too much yeah yeah, good, good. Yeah. Well, thank you. So, but we, we got to circle back a little bit now. I mean, um, you know, we've had, a, we've uh, tilted a little bit uh, from Rhode Island. Now we're getting a little bit more Massachusetts quality here. Uh, you are a son of Attleboro. Am I not mistaken? Am I correct on that? Yep. Attleboro, Mass. Yep. All right. There you go. Um, and so, you know, back in the day, um, you mentioned uh, off off show here. You mentioned you know, you have an older brother. I think. Yeah. Is it two of you? Is it or, or is it more in the Cuban household? No, I, I'm one of five. Okay. Were so, you the, the, yeah, a second. I'm second. I have an older brother and then two younger sisters and a younger brother. Okay. And and was the Cuban household an athletic household? All runners, all sports, or? Yeah. Yeah. All sports. So. We basically lived at the Y, like after school. Lived so at the Y. Really good oh, okay. Y. Yeah. So okay. I don't know if like my mother was tired and she just kind of dumped us off at the Y, but it was a really good thing for me because I got to I got to play basketball and football and everything. You could do everything at the Y, swim team, you name it, we did it. So it was great. So how did the migration to uh, the simplest of all those sports kind of uh, take place? Do you have any memories of the day that something happened that kind of set you on the, tr on the track? No pun intended. I have a, yeah, I have a couple of little memories from like, we used to belong to this swim club, um, Bearcroft Swim Club, and I was on the swim team and we used to play tag down the deep end. And the drains, it was like 10, 12 feet deep pool. And like the drains were a goal where you couldn't get tagged. And I could go down there and just outlast everybody for out, not hours, but I could go down there and stay down there twice as long as anyone, longer than the lifeguards and, and anybody. So like something was in the back of my mind was like, I have good lungs or a good heart or something like that. And then, um, and then like in, in elementary school, I set like the school 600 meter record. And when we had little races, I could always be up near the front, not necessarily winning, but I was always up the front. Okay. 
Now, when you say the 600, was that the presidential fitness test? Yeah. Yep. Oh, my yep. gosh. We, we, we came on this one full <laughs> circle there. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So you, you yeah. had a little glimpse. Yep. I mean, for me, that was a big yep. deal. It was like there was a difference between running laps during gym class. I was horrible in yep. the fall. Somehow in the spring, I was, it took me a while to figure that out. But okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I remembered it. I, re- I remember that I could do it. Like, I had a feeling that I was fast. And we used to play running games, like, in the woods and stuff in Attleboro. And I was – people couldn't catch me. So – I didn't know I was going to run track. I thought it was going to be Larry Bird or something. But um, but then when then when I went to I went to Bishop Dan, which is the Catholic school in Attleboro, and it it draws from all over it, Pawtucket, Cumberland, all around Attleboro area. I think Ron's from Cumberland, so he probably, people went to Dan. Like my cousin, my cousin Greg's from Cumberland, and Ron knows my cousin Tracy, and he he came to Fan with me. So so when I was at Fan. I played basketball all four years, but I started running track my freshman year. And the first, the first day I went out to practice was meet and I ran 459 in the mile. And, um, <laughs> and I, I, and it was good, you know, it was a good, a good run. 459 is hard. Right. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, and so I, I, I got a little bit of a bug and I liked it. And then I tried, I said, I'm going to do cross country in the fall. I ran cross country for fan in the fall and, and re- really enjoyed it. Thoroughly enjoyed it made some of my best friends really nice guys and it was a it was a team that we're still friends to to you know we're still friends today we still communicate today so it was you know one of the best decisions I ever made and I just got a little bit better through high school you know like by the time I was a senior I ran 9:15 for the two okay. mile and okay, so the progress I, I made is there. Kenny yeah I made Kenny, Kenny and you know and my coach was my coach was this guy Keith Gobin, and he had a little running store in South Attleboro called First Lap Running Club, Running Store or something like that. And he really okay. loved running, and he made it he made it a lot of fun. And he he was he told me that like if I didn't play basketball, I would be in better shape. Like nine fifteen would have been nine oh five, and you just believe that stuff, right? Yep. When yep. the coach is telling you it, like oh, if you got to run all winter instead of playing hoops, then you would have more endurance. You would have run faster and exactly. stuff like that. So hey, Gorman, I bought in. You bought in. Hey, Gorman, I think you wanted to get in here. Yeah, so it's funny. Before I'm going to ask the question I was going to ask, I, when you mentioned that running store, I actually went in there because I lived in Pawtucket, and I went to that store, which is probably only a few miles away in Attleboro. And I remember I was running the Mar- uh, 82 Boston, and I brought I bought these, like, ultra, ultra-thin Nike racing flats for Boston. And... I wore them and I brought them back and cause it was just, it was just too late. And there was like, people were talking about some guy going into on Boston and buying these flats. It was just like, it was, <laughs> a, it was the stupidest idea. But um, so I had a question. So your older brother, what was what, your older brother an ex- exceptionally good runner? Cause I remember running the Seekonk road race and what, either you or your brother passed me with like a mile to go and you guys had to be in high school. It was like yeah, 80, no, that was me. That was, that was me. your eighty-three. Yeah. yeah, he didn't run. Yeah, I was like, yeah. who the hell is this guy? Yeah, I was like, that was in good shape. You know, I just ran yeah. two twenty-eight, and I said, this yeah. can't be happening. And uh, and then I, of course, I followed you after that and said, okay, it makes sense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought it, I thought we were running really fast there, but then John Gregoric told me the course was short. So. It is short. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we gonna... about, about like 4.9 or something like that. Yeah. Maybe even shorter. Yeah. 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 Nobody I needs – those are the fish stories, right? They just get bigger and bigger as you, you know. It, yeah. It, 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 yeah. 
so Mark, mm -hmm. so obviously some big progress. I mean, 915 in, in Massachusetts at that time in the early mid 80s, that would have been pretty solid, right? How did how did it work at the state level for you? Yeah, I mean, in cross country, I was one of the best runners in the state in cross country. Like my junior year, I'd be, you know, I think I was um, in the class meet. I was first. I beat Gary Crawley, who was a big star from Seekonk. Uh, and then I was fifth or sixth at the state meet. Got beat by really good guys because we went down to um, Kenny and we won this. We won the state competition by a lot, you know. And I was like twelfth or something my junior year. And then my senior year. I won the class meet again, but then got beat by this guy named Barry Searches. So I was second in the all-state meet. And then I was fourth down Kinney at Van Cortland. And I ran like 15, 20, which is fast back then. Yeah. 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 And then, so, and, but then, then I started playing basketball again and I went out to Kinney nationals, like after two weeks of hoops and I was like second to last in the race. So, so yeah. basketball was still there. So it was uh, yeah. cross country basketball and track. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I played basketball all four years. Okay. Okay. Now looking back on it, um, you know, so you're, you, you mentioned the coach or, or the guy with the store kind of saying, Oh, what would have happened if you hadn't played hoops looking back on it? What do you think? Do you think it was a good decision? Do you think, you know, breaking it up mentally also a little different movement physically, do you, or, or do you say, yeah, I could have handled going straight through. Do you have any thoughts? Um, well, I think it was good for me because like I liked it. And I think at Bishop Fan, like it's kind of the opposite of what Slammer was saying last week. The girls probably run away from the distance runners and not attracted to the distance runners. <laughs> so I want to be like Slammer. But a little different. I guess it's different in Texas. He was, just, I don't know. He, he was better looking than all of us, Mark. Let's <laughs> yeah, just face it, right? It. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. no so it was it was good for me. And I think I think honestly, I think like if you look at a lot of the top runners that in my group, you know, I see them every day. Most of them played more than one sport, you okay. know, maybe, maybe not in high school, but they all played soccer. They all played basketball. They were all swimmers. And I think, I, I still think distance runners, we might have a bad reputation of being skinny and not, not athletic, but I think the, the best ones are actually very athletic and can do a lot of different sports and they would be successful if they, they fell into a different um, a different game or a different yeah, sport or different. something that's what i think yeah. yeah yeah so as you're migrating through having success having fun uh, and i'm assuming the running is fun but the basketball is fun for sure different feeling yep. different you know doing things totally different body you know movement and and everything like then you've got track tell us a little bit about the 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 arc of how you thought about well, whether you wanted to continue at college, did, did, first of all, was it a given that you thought in your family that, yes, you should go to school or was that ever a conversation or how did that all work? It, it, yeah, you, you were going to college no matter what. Yeah, okay. there was no, yeah, so definitely going to college. Okay. Um, I think like, when I think about myself, so like when I was in high school, like, um, I mean, you guys know Attleboro a little bit, like it, we were kind of sheltered. And mm -hmm. everything was easy and fun. Like I had, I didn't have a worry in the world when I was in high school and I didn't know there were, I never heard of Steve Prefontaine, you know, I heard of Billy Rogers in Alberta cause they were from Massachusetts or, you know, like I heard about Larry Olson or, you know, or Bobby Doyle. Mm -hmm. I didn't, I didn't hear about anything outside of my 10 oh, miles. Out of, the, out of the bubble, out of the New England, Boston. Yeah. Bubble. Okay. Yeah. 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 So I probably thought, okay. so I, so at that time I thought I could be on the Celtics or I was going to win an Olympic gold medal. Cause just, I didn't know better. <laughs> and 
I think I was probably, I wasn't this cocky little kid, but I, I probably had a little bit too much confidence. And uh, I've kind of, I've learned that I, like, I was so lucky to grow up there that mm-hmm. I didn't have any of these worries. And um, everybody in my husband went to college, basically. So, so walk us through a little bit. So what were you thinking? Were you thinking, I'm going to a place, I've, uh, I want to get away from home? Yay or nay? Or, um, you know, I want to get as far away from mom and dad as possible. No, uh, did you, you want to run? You want to go to school? Or, you know, was it the program of the academic program, the running program? What were you thinking? I wanted to go to Providence College. I really wanted to go to PC. Oh, and okay. um, Bob Amato at the time was the coach before Ray. And he decided he didn't want any more Americans there because he had recruited a couple that didn't pan out. So, like, Brian Jager went there, a kid from down south was a super good runner and yeah, went, he went to there. Auburn right yeah he Auburn. transferred to Auburn he just didn't like he just didn't like it and I had like half my family went to PC either you in my family either go to PC or Holy Cross or BC or you know like we most of the kids went to college my relatives and my siblings all went to um, okay you know Catholic colleges but so I really wanted to go there and th- they said no you can't run here which is a bummer and because I would have went there in a second and then um Jack McDonald was recruiting me really hard at BC. And I guess I was a little bit sensitive because so many kids at Bishop Fan wanted to go to BC and were getting rejected. Because, mm-hmm. you know, I was just like in the middle of the road, road kid. I was, you know, if there were 250 kids in my class, I'd probably rank the hundredth. But I get a full ride to Boston College. And I think I felt guilty that kids mm-hmm. that were like 20th in the class couldn't get in. And, and no one sat me down and said, Mark, you're going to be bringing something to BC that some of these other kids aren't going to be bringing. And, um, and so I was getting recruited pretty hard by um, Coach Torpy at the University of Maryland. And there was a handful of Massachusetts kids down there. So against my parents' better advice, I went to Maryland. And like, like my dad's a double BC grad. He went there undergrad and law oh, school. Oh, no kidding. And, okay. Yeah. So I don't okay. know if he's forgiven me yet. but <laughs> Wow. But, uh, wow. So okay. I went to Maryland. And it was, it was, it was a shock, right? Was, the school was too big for me. There were too many yeah. people. I would have been way better at PC or BC. I don't know if my running would be as, I would have done as well running at the end of the day. But the school would have been better from, a better fit for me, probably academically. So we, we, um, we had a somewhat similar situation uh, for perhaps slightly different reasons. Uh, Julie Peterson was a guest yeah. not that long ago. And, and, you know, Julie was a five-time Olympic trials uh, marathon qualifier. And her objective going out West was kind of an exchange program. And yeah, she was going to run. And, and the program, the running program was a little more that she could handle. For you, was it, was, it, um, was it the size that made the place just so different? I mean, I, I have to imagine, I just think of Maryland being so much bigger than a PC or a Boston college. That, yeah. And you're farther away from home, uh, you know, on top of that. Yeah. Uh, or, or was it, uh, and then was it, uh, you know, academics and athletics or give us a little sense if you would. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, it was uh, Bishop Band's tiny. So it's like a, a thousand kids, you know, 600 women, 400 guys. And so when I got down to Maryland, it's like 40,000 p- people. And I was a little overwhelmed and um, like, we didn't have the best, we didn't have the best setup, like, um, living quarters and things like that we lived in the football stadium and it wasn't it wasn't conducive to I just I was just out of my element to be honest and, and I still have really good friends from college and we you know like we're in group text messages and things like that we have reunions and whatever and I ran well there but I never like 
I never was in love with the University of Maryland, the school, you know, like, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. like, like, um, like my son, he loves Chapel Hill, you know, he's uh, really enjoys University of North Carolina or like people really love their colleges. And I really love Fan more than I love, love anything at the other school that I've been to. So if, as you think about then the running side of it, um, you were coming from, in some ways that you self-acknowledge it was a bubble of Massachusetts and so you had that. What was your impression? Uh, now you said Charlie, um, who, who I knew just a little bit, um, had some Massachusetts runners, certainly on the men's team. I know he had a few uh, foreigners there, if I'm not mistaken. I had a, some head-to-heads with one or two of them uh, yeah. myself. But what, tell me a little bit about the team culture. What, what was that like for you? The, the team's what kept me afloat down there. So like Dennis Cullinan, he was from Falmouth. And Dan Foley, he went to St. John's Prep. He's from Beverly, Mass. Phil Lucier, the crazy man, he's from Somerset, um, Massachusetts. Rich Kelly, another really nice guy from Cambridge, Bridging Latin. Fair okay. Plant, who was a superstar in Massachusetts, uh, Bridging Latin, she ended up there. So okay. it was, we, we could cheer on the Red Sox and the Patriots and whatever. It'd but be like, okay. It'd be all right. Yeah, you could be okay like if we had a party or something. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, and, and, and we worked well together, you know, like we all, we all definitely improved, I think, coach Torpy Charles I think he was he was a little bit he was still a young coach when he was coaching us and um, I think I think that me personally I trained too hard like I tried to race all my workouts turned into races because I wanted to keep up with like Foley or Cullinane or we had a good 1500 meter guy from um, Norway Pierre Christofferson who ran 338 338 was fast really really fast back then back then yes and, yes yeah. I remember him all too well Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I kind of wish that I just like, I wish someone told me to be patient and not, you know, race workouts and just, you know, in, in this book that I wrote, I know we're going to talk about it later, but like, I'm, I'm a big B plus type workout guy now and A plus races. That um, was, think, if we're going to come back to that. That's yeah. one of those five principles that we definitely want to spend some time yeah. on. So, I mean, since I already teased this up, I have to ask you when and where did you become the first uh, male runner from Massachusetts to break four? Was it Tell me a little bit about that day. Yeah, so was we had college, or was that on the? It was the- first year out, right out, right out of college. So that June, so I I came back home. Uh, actually, Charles got fired. Coach Topri got fired at Maryland because Lenny Bias passed away, and they kind of cleaned the whole athletic department. So it was '88, wow. I think, and I just I didn't I just went home. So like in '87, I was all American in the steeplechase, and then '88, we just went back. I just went home and and um. So was it? So they had these meets in um, in Dedham. We just called them Metro West meets. You probably ran in a few of them. Oh my God! Yes, know? yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Sev was coaching New Bound, uh, Nike Boston, and he, he said I could be on the team. And we trained. So we, so I did that whole fall, that winter. I really improved, like training with Sev. I'd never done a tempo run my whole life, and we did tempo runs every Saturday, like every uh, Saturday out in, in Lincoln, Lincoln right? Lincoln, Mass. Okay, there we go. We've got thematic context now between Julie and Mark Coogan. There we go. Yeah. And I mean, everybody, like if you you could talk to Sev right now, like Joni ran there, Bick, you know, you, Danny Dillon, like you name it, they've run there. I think Ron lived in in Wellesley with all those guys, I'm guessing. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. And, you know, Tommy Rad, everybody. And they were all in Nike Wellesley or working around Nike Wellesley. But um, so we would go there every Saturday and do a tempo run. 
and Seb would say, well, you know, Bick ran 406 his last mile. You know, you just ran 442. You got a long way to go. Or, you know, <laughs> stuff, stuff like that, you know, with his accent and stuff. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and then, and so what, I did that whole winter. So I would do that on Saturdays. And then I would run with the guys in PC, like okay. on weekdays. I was just living at home in Ottawa. We just run out of PC. Close locker enough, room. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. 20 minutes or something. And I don't know. I just started like keeping up with John Tracy and John Doherty and Gregoric and Andy Ronan. I just kept, kept, I just started keeping up with them in workouts. And like occasionally, like I was taking the lead, you know, on different intervals and things like that. And so I knew, I knew it was, I knew it was possible, you know. <laughs> Did you know the day and, of? I mean, it was, you got ready for the race. Yeah, Did you I, have a sense? Did you say, yep, this is it. This is the day? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I knew I was, I, I was pretty sure I was going to. I don't like, because like my whole, my whole, that whole year, right when I got out of college, it, it just, the trajectory was just, it was crazy. Cause like I'd never made NCA cross country once in college, never made it once. When really? I did, I did As seven, an Olympic marathoner, you, you yeah. never did NCAA cross country. Wow. Nope. And then I okay. did Seb's fall, you know, the strength stuff, never killing it. And then I went to cross country trials and it was in 89 and they were out in um, Seattle and Pat Pat Porter was first, Ed was second, and I was third. Like I couldn't believe it. Like I literally couldn't believe it. You know. And wow. then okay. World World Cross was in Stavanger, Norway, and I was and went Pat Ed me again. But I was like right behind them. I was like thirty fifth or something in the race. And World Cross was hard back then. It was like mm-hmm. nine a country. It was only one race. Everybody went, and um and I ran really well there. And I took Sydney Marie to the wall in a 3K indoors. Like I passed him and stuff. And he tried, he ended up nipping me. But when we were done, he was like, holy cow, you can run or something. He said something yeah, else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very complimentary. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wow. wow. And so I was pretty sure. I mean, you never know, right? But I was pretty sure like it was going down. And Steph was building it up and stuff. And so it was fun. It was really fun. All my friends from high school, a bunch of hand kids went up and watched. It was really cool. We ran so right was- so 3:58, Dad. I'm at that beautiful time that that I, you know I can picture it now. The the sun is setting, but it's still nice yep. and cool and comfortable. Wow, that's neat. That's yeah. Neat. So yeah. I have to ask you because because you know you, you've got an interesting dichotomy here because you've you know you you go through the traditional way, you know you run cross country. Yeah, okay. Some some schools had indoor track, some didn't. But you you got the fall, you got the spring, you did something in the middle, plus minuses. It all balances out probably. You had the big D1 experience in college, yep. you know, so you hit the steeple, not easy. I mean, I've run towards a barrier and then I've turned around and gone yep. the other way, you know, that kind of <laughs> yep. thing. Cause yep. it's, it, that's not, you know, not, not yeah. for the, um, but, but Mark, a mile and a marathon, never the two shall meet. Well, I guess I'm 26 miles in the marathon, but that's about the, yeah. the most common denominator there. How did you, what was, what, began to to uh, percolate in your mind to suggest I need to move in that direction or was it happenstance yeah. what was the... no I, no I mean I guess I guess like I always knew I was gonna run Boston okay I didn't know if I was gonna run four hours or what but like I was gonna run Boston at some point in my life I didn't know when so so um we had moved to um I was married at the time to Gwen. We're divorced now, but we moved to um, Providence because she was starting to get her PhD at Brown okay. in in ninety two, mm-hmm. and then and she made the Olympic team in the in the ten that year. Ninety two. Yep. Yeah, and 
somehow she lost her funding at Brown and we were, we were both running halfway decent. We're like, well, let's find a, a cool school to go to where they also have decent running. So we like looked at like New Mexico, Boulder, and we, a couple other places. And we just, we decided to go to Boulder. So she got like a, um, I don't know, I don't know, a TA or whatever, you know, so it was free. It was free to get her, her yeah. PhD in number theory. And um, so we moved out there and out there, it wasn't, there weren't too many milers. It was like Arturo and Jonesy and Platches and Deke was in and out, Don Janicki. And, at uh, altitude. And at altitude, at Boulder. And the, the, we're there the whole fall and the next summer. I, I was running with Mark like all the time, Platches and, and Arturo and Jonesy. We always, meet, but there would be like 30 of us. We'd meet out at the reservoir. And Mark went over to Stuttgart and won world champs in the um, marathon. And Jonesy had the world record and like Arturo he was a pistol. Had, I met him for the first time. He's a riot. He's, he's great. He's great. He's a good friend. And Arturo had the 10 world record, you know, like, right. so like, I mean, I, I'm the luckiest dude in the world because I guess I had all my, I had all the PC guys, all the Johns, John Doherty, John Tracy, you know, John Rigor, I had the Johns, yeah. you know, and then in Boulder, I had all these guys and everybody was really nice to me and, and, and shared with me and um, let me run with them, you know, when I was kind of a non-entity and and when we were in Boulder, I was doing the steeplechase still and trying to figure it out. And like, you don't make any money doing the steeplechase. My $6,000 a year contract with Nike's not paying the bills. Katrina was born. And so like, you know, and I, I had made like, ended up making like seven or eight world crosses in a row. So I, like something in my head was like, well, you can run pretty well at cross. Maybe you can do okay on the road. So then like, Arturo would help me get into a road race. Okay. Arturo would talk to the race director and say, can you bring Mark with me? And he, he's winning these races. And they're like, sure, we can throw another plane ticket. In, you know? Yeah. Not a big deal. Okay. That's, yeah. That's, and so that's I started a, doing more. Yeah. So I started doing okay. more road races and Gwen made the team in the 10. So like road races would like to have her, you know, like sometimes they were jerks. Like one, one time Tulsa, like they flew like Gwen and Arturo to Tulsa and they were like, no, we're not giving Mark a ticket. So I drove from Boulder to Tulsa just to prove a point Boy, and, wow. and come in like third in the race and then get my car and drive home and <laughs> like not go to the awards and stuff like and kind of, you know, immature on my part, but. Um, well, but it, it, a little you know. chip on the shoulder is not a bad thing every once in a while. Yeah. I, so let me ask you one quick question kind of in that era. That was, if, if I'm not mistaken, tell me if, if I am. Was the the TAC trust fund movement still in effect at that time? As you were, as yeah. but it was on its way out, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, it was starting to go on its way out. Yeah, so like Bank of Boulder had all the trust funds, so everybody had their money in the Bank of Boulder. But I like, I I just had my dad make one for me back in Attleboro. Okay. So like, if you got a little stipend or money from a road race, you just had to put it in there, and then yeah. you could yeah. you could pull it out for anything. I yeah, yeah I only I think right. yeah, yeah yeah I think I had it for two years or something. So uh, was there any one eureka moment uh, or was it, you know, something that one of the guys said, Mark, you really ought to move up uh, or did it you just kind of evolve? It, no, it, it, it evolved. I mean, I was doing OK at the road races. You know, I wasn't I never like I never won anything, really. It was like I was always but I was, in it, you know, like, I, you know, I might beat a guy that goes runs like 212 or 215 mm -hmm. or something. And I might beat him in a 10, you know, a 10K somewhere or, or pen relays or something. I don't know. But, but I, re I remember like everybody was training for Boston one year, Jonesy was and um, Mark and Arturo and, and like Jonesy and I made a bet. I bet him I would beat him and for like a dinner at this Flagstaff restaurant and um, not Flagstaff, what was it called? I think so, I'm in Flagstaff, but, and he's like, all right, you know, <laughs> 
and and so I they, I got into Boston, and Pat Lynch let me run the race. And, Pat Lynch, uh, yeah, Pat Lynch, okay. And I just I went there and jumped in and ran two thirteen. And if I had a Boom. little more patience, Boom. I would have run faster. Yeah. It was a good year as a tailwind and everything. Like I was running Still, seven though, miles at the but end. But at the time, but at the time, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. it was good. I mean, yeah. Bob, you know, Bob from Dartmouth, Kempen, and he ran two hundred eight forty six, I think. So he had a really good day. You know, Arturo ran two hundred eight something. But but I think I beat Jonesy. So he he never gave me the dinner, but I beat Jonesy. Oh, well, if he listens, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to send this out to him. Hey, hey John, jump in. Yeah. So um, earlier you had mentioned John Gregoric and. You were talking about the steeplechase. I'm not sure what if what kind of relationship you had with him, but he he was a coach at Brown for a while, and he came after me. Were down, when I you were, yeah, yeah. And uh, did he give you any advice since he was a 1980 Olympic? He didn't go, but the steeplechase and the steeplechase, right? Olympic runner in the steeplechase. Did he give you any advice? 84 too. 84 too. Yeah. 84 too. And, yeah, and, he, yeah, and yeah. he made the team. In, he made the team in the five and ninety two, but he didn't have the, didn't a have the time. So because yeah. Gwen and him, we were training together quite a bit. No, I, I met John after like after he was done with the steeple. So mm. and John's the one that like John kind of introduced me. Not didn't introduce me, but like brought me into the PC group. So like yeah. after after the um, Olympic trials in eighty eight and. Indianapolis. That's where I met John in Indianapolis at the Olympic trials. Um, I, I came home and I went down to Newport with a bunch of my friends. We were just out drinking, you know, and there was a road race in Newport. I can't remember the name of it. One of those, they have a handful of road races in the summer. And I, and I just went to it and jumped in and John won. And I was talking to him after the race and he said, well, we're running from PC, the locker room on Monday. Why don't you come? I was like, really? And I was like that, just like that reaction. I was like, what? <laughs> you, wow. I can come, you know? <laughs> and honestly, I was like amazed. And I was like, oh, so, like I was thinking about getting a job, but like, you know. And and I now this down. guy, a two-time Olympian, is inviting you to show up for a workout. Yes. Yep. Well, of course you're going to say yes, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> and I went down there, and that's and that's where I met John Tracy for the first time, you know, and Ray, and I, I was racing Andy a bit, you know, and Andy like Ronan, some of the, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. like all those rich paper box guys, Reggie, and all of that stuff. Well, that's that's really revealing. I mean, it's amazing. It's it's a network of people, um, and you know, it, you you pass the initiation, whatever it is. And it's kind of, yeah, yeah, he's solid. Yeah. Okay. It'll work. That's, yeah. that's pretty cool. That's really yeah. Cool. Yeah. And then you go down to the locker room at Providence college and like, you know, John Doherty showing up with a, co- a coffee and a donut before you go out on a 10 mile run and telling jokes. And like, you, you like once then you kind of learn that they're normal people and they're right. like, they, they're, you know, they, they're funny. They have their ups and downs. They, they tie they the shoelaces the same way. Exactly. Same way. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Figure that out. It's like, you do much, so much better. You just yeah. do so much better. You know, tell us a little bit. So you had that, uh, that now that 213, was that 80, what year would that have been? Or 90? Was that, would have been? That was 94. 94. Okay. Yeah. So, and that's significant because 96 was mm-hmm. the first, Atlanta. right? So tell us, yeah, tell us a little bit about Atlanta, a beautiful place to be a distance runner, right? Uh, yeah. You know. um, yeah, exactly. So, so I, I did Boston and, and like, I kept up with people, you know, so like, yeah. I was running, like, I, like something inside me said like, well, you could do this, like the second one's going to be better. And so um, USATF asked if I would like to do the Pan American Games. 
Okay. And they were in um, Argentina and it was, you know, it was like, they're in like February or March. It was hot. Summer's down there. And um, I thought if I could go down there and run well, then maybe if I, if I make the team, I could run a, a halfway decent marathon in the heat. Like I was kind of think like how I, if, I, if I could do well in Argentina and if I'm lucky enough to make the team, I could do well in Atlanta. Ah, got so it. That, got it. Okay. Yes. So, yes. So, so somehow I had a little game plan. I don't know, but I had a little game plan in my head. And then, and so I went down there and the field wasn't very deep. It was probably six or eight good guys. And I, I ended up getting second and, um, Benjamin Paredes, Mexican guy. It's one of the Mexicans were good marathoners. Paredes beat me, but he only pulled away like a little bit at the end. We were running hard. And he, that was right after he was second in New York city okay. in the fall before. And, and I was keeping up with them and the crowds were crazy. And it was, it was, it was a really good experience for me. And after, after that, I knew I had a shot at making a marathon team. And I was like, well, how, what, what do I need to do to right. make this team? And I think Arturo or Flatches or somebody said, if I was you, I would just run track this spring, not worry about volume too much. And then next fall, get into a marathon. Oh, build up. Okay. And so so I went back to the track. Well, so made, not, are you coaching yourself? I'm sorry to interrupt, but it, I'm, I'm having a little hard, you know, it's like, how yeah, are you yeah, kind of navigating yeah, yeah. this? Yeah, it's 100% coaching myself, but okay. bouncing ideas off of everybody in the world, you know, right, the best right, in the right. world. And, yeah, and they, right, they're doing the right. same thing. I mean, Jonesy's doing the same thing. Uh, Platch is I mean, doing the range. same thing. Uh, Jones yep. had huge range. Yeah. Yep. Arturo. So yep. after I got second at the Pan Am Games, um, I was like, well, I'll do track. So I ran a couple of track races and and I made the world champs in 5k. I was second in the U S in 5k. And so I ran the world. So, so I, yeah. So I kept, so I ran track through the summer. I went to the world champs and things like that. And I had, I had a good summer as PR ranked as strong as an ox, you know, from all the, from the marathon. Like okay. I was third at pre, I ran 821 for two miles. You know, I broke four right, so again. That's serious. Yeah. Yeah. That's serious yeah. stuff. Yeah, you know, 1320s was good then. I don't know. And, and, you know, I was like, the second of beta breakers or, you know, i don't know like i can't remember all the stuff but i had i was running fairly but it was well. but solid <laughs> consistent yeah and i'm guessing no injury significant injury time off no no which crap no, yeah yeah which yeah. which which i you know would you think okay i don't have the miles on my legs from the way i started high school or not a lot of mileage in maryland or is it just luck genetics what do you you know uh, do you have any thoughts on that probably a little of everything yeah um yeah. but i think like i think i was really smart not going in like coming second in pan am games and then doing another marathon build up all right up on like, it i think okay. that was really smart not to it was really smart to run you know 70 80 miles a week and go to the track a couple of days a week and get the quality <laughs> in, and and, you, and then you did the yeah. pace a little later wow yeah. Oh, yeah. It, 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 it sounds a lot like when we had an interview with uh, jack Fultz because mm. he said that he did the same thing he was getting he did a lot of speed and shorter races and he yep. you know so when he started moving towards the marathon, when he ran the marathon, he felt more in control. Like he never felt hit the wall or he, he always, he knew he was kind of knew he was going to win the race. You know, he was in good shape from all that previous. Well, the speed, stuff with George Down races. and the other stuff. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. No, so, there's, there's but, something I've, I've always wondered about that, that balance between the quality versus the quantity, but then you have the injury yeah. bug, but then if you're, but if you've got the solid constitution where that's not happening, yeah and, and you can build on build on build that's yeah yeah and i mean knock on wood i was you know I, I was a little bit i think i was a little bit lucky that i was I'm durable 
Yeah. But yeah. so so that's how so that's how I did it. So like so then I, I ran track to a couple of weeks off. That all right. Some point in the fall, I was like, all right, let's start doing a build up for um, okay. the marathon oh. trials. And where was that? So that was that the infamous uh, Kempinen uh, losing his. Yeah. 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 There you go. Okay. Yeah. It, it was. It was. So like my build up was pretty good. And I remember like we were in Boulder. So I still, I was still on like six grand a year, you know, I wasn't making yeah. any money. And, and like, Gwen was still in school. So you guys are really living by two, and, and, and Katrina's Katrina. baby. She was born in 93. So this is 96. Oh, geez. And, and it, and it was like, I remember Boulder was like, it was one of those years where it snowed a lot. And, and like, um, Platches left, Jonesy left, Don Janicki left. They all went to uh, somewhere in Mexico. I forget the name of it, like on that volcano. Remember back in the day, a lot of people used to go down to Mexico. You lost me on that one. I don't remember that one. Yeah. Wow. Well, they always go down there. I don't know. Arturo went every year, like first sign yeah. of snow, he disappeared. But they, they all went down there and I was stuck in, in Boulder and I was doing all like the last month like all the workouts by, by myself. Right. Uh, but they all went down to Mexico and overtrained and went too much or, and some of them got sick and food poisoning. And I like, I had my same TV. I had my newspapers. I was eating the same food. So like, I, if I could afford it, messed up. So like I did it right by, you know, by accident, like I did everything right by accident because I was jealous. They were down there and I'm like, you know, out there slugging it out by myself most of the days. And wow. So I, I learned a lesson, like, you know, like it, it doesn't have to be perfect. Often, you, you know, to be in the right environment for you is more important than being this cool, super nice place or whatever. So what do you remember about the marathon trials themselves? I mean, is, is, there, is there one or two memories of the race itself that really stand out to you? Um, a, a couple. I, I I remember one guy took the lead early on. It was first of all, it was freezing cold. And I remember like, the, and I remember thinking like, this is good for me. Like, I remember okay. like, this is good for me. I knew, I knew I was in good shape. I said to like Bob, I'll see you out there. You know, I said like to Chris Fox, I'll see you out there. Plaz was in the race. It was a really good race, like mm -hmm. t talent wise. Some of the some of the guys were getting a little bit old, but they were like, like I'd never been old. Yeah, right. Plaz was old. Yeah, so like Barrios was in the race. Platches was in the race. Don Janicki was in the race. Chris Fox was in the race. Bob Kempinen was in the race. Um, really good runners from in, in like my era. But I, I just, I had that confidence from running the 5K at World Champs. And I just like, I knew I was going to hang in there. And I was mm -hmm. just telling myself, I'm not going to make any stupid moves, you know, and just like be smart, try to get my drinks. At, at one point, like we caught up to the guy that was leading, like Kempinen, I can't remember the exact moment. I was going to say like 16 or 17. Bob made a really hard move mm -hmm. and probably knocked it from like five, five Oh five pace. He did like maybe a four forty five mile or something like that. Oh, a real, a real like a serious, uh, like accelerator third. to the floor kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, I remember saying, Holy jeez. Like, I yeah. remember like, I was like, I can't do this. So I, so I said to myself, like, all right, I said, Mark, give yourself a mile, give yourself okay. a mile to get back up. So instead of going down to like 4.45 pace, I might've went down to five minute pace, but, it but was, then he uh, backed off. And so I slowly got back on him and Brantley was the only other guy that could get back. He's Brantley. Sure. Okay. And I, and I said that next time he does that again, I'm, I'm doing the same thing. <laughs> you know, it's like Bob made, they made a, like another little surge. And I, and I was like, all right, I'm just going to, I don't remember exactly what I said. Like, all right, I'm going to give myself two minutes. I got two minutes to get back on it. So I could just graduate because he didn't hold it. You know, he would back off. And so, and those couple of surges got Brantley, him, and 
me away from everybody else. Everybody else. Yeah. Well, that was wasn't that the era, guys? Maybe you remember watching or being in races where it was this surge piece. I mean, it wasn't even pace with just pacers. If you were really racing, somebody was going to make you hurt for whatever distance, and it was on and off, on and off, whether it was yeah. a long track or. And had you noticed that, say, when you're running like world champs? I mean, were people or in that yeah. European thing? That was the era, was Surgeon. it not? Yeah, or yeah, the... like in Tebow or Kova yeah. Surgeon, you know, like yeah. Surgeon, you know, hard 200, easy 200, and things like right. that, you know? Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. it's way different now. Like, if you want to run, if you want to run, if you want to run um, 13, 10, 5K now, you run 64s, which is 13, 20 pace, and then you run the last two laps hard than 13, 08. It's like, makes so much more sense, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, right, right, right. Well, but it's also a different mentality. It's like, it's like, yeah. you know, it's time versus maybe win versus, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. But, oh, wow. We have so much to, so much to cover on that, but let's, let's talk about it. So, so as you look at the highlights of your, of your running, cause we have, you're a father, you're a coach, you're an author. And I want to make sure we get a little time on, on all of this. It, if it, I got to believe that making that team, uh, taking second in the trials and then actually the games themselves, uh, I forget exactly how well you did at, at the games themselves, but that's still making not that very well. Huge. Yeah, well, but still, you're, you're an Olympian, you're an Olympian, you know, and they're never taking that one away. You know, that's it's actually two times. So let's be honest, you're a two time Olympian. What um, anything um, about that experience that you want to highlight before we kind of uh, think about the, the the arc to in a slightly different way? I think I think like. I think a lot of people, I don't do it anymore. And I really try to tell my team not to make like running shouldn't define who you are. And I think running was still defining who I was at that time mm-hmm. when it, it probably shouldn't. So like, I think like maybe the last mile of the Olympic trials or the last 1200, like when I knew I was going to make the team, I really felt like this weight was being lifted off my shoulders. Ah, the and pressure was off. Okay. It was, Yeah. And it was, it was such a good feeling. Like I was exhausted, but like I was floating. Like I could have run away. I could ran away from Brantley. I was so happy, you know, even though I was dead, I could just take off. You know, I was like, damn, if I had, like, if I knew I was going to feel this good, I could have got Bob maybe or something, you know, he got the hundred grand. I got like 60 grand or something. It was by far the big payday of my life. And um, so it was, it was so, it was such a relief to me that, and that and it's kind of like it doesn't make sense now because like you shouldn't justify who you are off of running like you shouldn't justify who you are off your job you should justify who you are like the way you treat other people and and things like that i really have matured i think well that and, sounds like that sounds like a real coaching mentality so and, and so if we can let's let's pivot a little bit to this um, and, and I imagine also perhaps it also uh, applies to being a successful parent. And you, you've obviously had a great experience with that, with three very successful uh, young adults sharing your last name as, as a parent, you and Gwen. Um, and they've, uh, several of them have gone, well, all of them have gone on to running college and then some are continuing, or, or I should say William is still at UNC Chapel Hill, tough place to be. Uh, I really feel for the guy. It's, it's gotta be really hard to be. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and obviously Katrina, you're working with very closely because you're, you're, mm-hmm. you're seeing here, but as you're making this transition and, and we, you've already acknowledged, you've been at Brown, you, you've had some stops along the way. How did you, um, 
or, or when did the consciousness kind of, kind of come upon you to the point you were just making that, my God, I really can't let the sport define me as who I am, especially if I'm trying to share experience and trying to help guide other people to their goals. On the one hand, you had this great epiphany of a moment. It, it, it worked and it happened. But you're obviously more than that one experience, right? But it, it was it just a, a series of experiences that you kind of gradually came to? Or was there any one pinnacle moment that kind of said, whoa, I really do need to think about it in a context of something as I think about advising and working with other people? Yeah, I mean, I think like I, I, I would never want to put down the Olympics, but it's, it's kind of like Christmas when you're a little kid, like the buildup is the buildup and the anticipation of like opening ceremonies and all that stuff. It's just like Christmas Eve. And then like Christmas day, when you open up the presents and everything, it's kind of like, eh, I didn't want Legos. I wanted like a Nerf football or something like that. I don't, I don't know. You yeah, know what yeah, I mean? yeah. No, no, like, no, I get it. And, it's and, a little bit of a letdown or a little bit of a, a teeny yeah. bit. And yeah. I think, I think what like I learned was that like being an Olympian, it doesn't change the world that much you know it, it gave it opened some doors for me obviously like it made it easier for me to get a coaching job but I had to prove that I could do it well if I wanted to keep coaching so it, it, it's opened some doors for me and it's like like I use it for a trump card once in a while someone's being a jerk or something you know like yeah. one time one time we were at the um, MLB all-star game and we were we were just you know sitting in the bleaches and this guy I don't I want to say any names, but this guy was in the NFL and he was a good wide receiver for the Broncos. And um, he was, he was just chirping about himself like the whole time. And, and like one of my buddies was like, you know, Mark was in the Olympics last summer and he kicked some ass. And the guy's girlfriend came back and sat with us. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so like, so like this, like one time being Olympian Trump, the guy in the NFL. Or, wow. Know, okay. All right. Like so like once in a blue moon and I didn't even do it, you know, but um, it's, it's nice to have you back. But, but it is, but that's an important point because, you know, you've heard of people and I, I still remember after, you know, uh, and, and maybe you guys as well and Ron and John and in, in your experiences, you know, you build up, you work so hard, you sacrifice so much and you know, the, the, the victory, if you will, or the success, what's next. And mm -hmm. the, perhaps the, the letdown because you haven't figured out what's next. Uh, yeah, and, and that could be a really tough time uh, mentally yeah, and emotionally. Yeah, yeah so, so I always felt like the day after Boston, I, even if I run bad or, or not, or, or good or bad, it's kind of like, oh, you know, what's next? Yeah, like you said, what's next? You know, yeah. it's just like all that work. And then, but it's almost like like uh, like Christmas. You know, it's like, oh, you know, Christmas Eve is awesome. Christmas Day is pretty good, you know. Yeah, but Ron, just like you, you said, yeah, Ron, you were going to say something. Well, only a comment. I got to think, Mark, that you've had so much experience, various distances, track, cross country, roads, marathons, Olympics. Maturing through that process has really benefited your coaching career. I, would, I agree 100% on that, Ron. And the other thing that's really made me a, like a, a better pro coach is having Katrina on the team because like, I treat her like she's my daughter i love her more than anything in the world and i and i treat the rest of the team the same way i treat her so i think it makes me be you know a, a little bit more sensitive to the team when things aren't going their way or if they're a little bit dinged up um i i we, we have the, every time we go to a big meet we seem to have the same conversation as a group is like 
you know, because not everybody's going to make every team. And in fact, most of the time, you're not going to make the team. Right? Two or three or two or one, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so we have to, like, we have this discussion that is like, the world's really not going to change. Like, your mom and dad are still going to love you if you come in first, if you don't even finish a race. And your best friends, they don't care. Like, they don't care. Like, they want you to win or do well, but they're still going to be your best friends. And if you have a bad run, New Balance isn't going to cut you. Like, you're here for a reason. It's more than um, making the team tomorrow or something like that and i really we really talk about that and i think it takes the edge off you know and they can get into a race a little bit more relaxed and be smooth and not stressed and things like that ron that's such a super comment and and i'm wondering mark did that did that realization having worked with the team um and, and that maturity or just that overall experience with your own daughter with william with your other daughter margaret Do you think that that helped catalyze your interest in writing the book? Because yeah, I know that's another thing that, you know, is, is recent. Um, on the... Yeah, I, um, a, a little bit, like, cause I feel like I'm doing well. So, and I think mm-hmm. like, I think, and I think I'm doing it the right way, which yeah. is, which is important, but the, the book came to be human kinetics. They're the publisher of it. They're, you know, mm-hmm. a company and, and they, uh, the woman there reached out to me. I, I, it was a couple of years ago and I remember because I was down in Jacksonville for the road race and I, I was staying down there for a couple of days after with Katrina and I, I talked to the woman on the phone and she was like would you like to write a book mm. and I was like because because we were we were successful we hadn't even made the no one had made the Olympic team but we I don't know how she heard about me to be honest and, and I was like I can't do it. I didn't want deadlines and I yeah. didn't want to like come home every night and have to do this and that and get stuff done and I said I don't I said the Olympic trials in a few months I don't want to it's not gonna happen and she said fine if you ever change your mind want to do this and I said sure if I change my mind I'll let you know and then and then the Olympics were canceled so 2020 we're talking about the 2020 2020 yeah yeah so everything got canceled and then sometime in that fall she got back in touch with me somehow and we were and she's like you want to do it and I was like I'm still like I don't know, you know, and she's like, you know, you can get someone to help you write it if you want. And, okay. and, uh, and so Scott went to Wayman Mary, but he, he, his, one of his best friends was one of, one of my college roommates. They went, they're both from Maryland. And okay. so I had known Scott in college and I knew oh, he that wrote, helps. That's got to help, help. Help a ton. Yeah. And yeah. Scott lives an hour from me. And so I said, well, can I, I'll, how about Scott Douglas? And the lady's like, we love Scott. You know, he, he wrote Fitzy's book. Uh, right. He wrote Meb's book. Help, you know. Help with and, that, yeah. Yeah. So I called Scott up and he said, it would be really fun. So we rekindled our friendship. And so so what happened was we would talk about the mile and the 5K on the phone for a couple of hours. You know, like we'd hit one event. And he'd say, tell me a few stories about you. Tell me a few mm-hmm. stories where you had good races and bad races. And so, um, so he did like the heavy lifting. So he, so like I told him the whole story and then he typed up what I was saying and it, you know, and it. so it came. And so, so he, that's, so the idea is the whole book in my words, but most of the, you know, he did the, the hard the writing. writing. Yeah. yeah. And all the training, I typed all the training and everything, which was, which I never want to run another training program in my life after this thing. But. So, so you, you already alluded to one of them. So uh, I think, so I'd listened to one of your prior podcasts. I forget which one it was right now. And, and you, 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 you know, you're talking a little bit about the book and I took some, you know, quick notes on the phone. 
And you just mentioned the B plus workouts, A plus result or A results, but that's one of uh, four or five kind of big thematic pieces. Could you just kind of quickly roll through them for our listeners? Because I think it sounds like I, I, some people I really respect have enjoyed reading it, even though their their biggest competitive days are behind them. But uh, but that, there's some life lessons, it sounds like. in oh, there. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I have the book right here. So but um, but the, the big the big thing the the big thing that I learned along the way working with the elite athletes is they really know how to race mm, and they can okay. race really, really hard. And I, I learned this lesson at Dartmouth, like firsthand. Okay. Cause I, I, I might've told this exact same story. I don't know, but um, I was coaching Abby D'Agostino at the time. Her, her, her married name's Cooper now. And she, she left, she left New Balance Boston cause she got married and moved with her husband down to, um, uh, North Carolina. And, um, but at, at Dartmouth, when we would go to a race, she could run really, really hard and get everything out of herself. And I was from the old school mentality where we go long on Sunday, hard on Tuesday, hard on Friday, easy on Saturday, something like that. Right? And then cycle in a race again. And then yeah, Rinse exactly. And yeah, yeah. And when we do a cross country race or a track race on Saturday or Friday or something, Abby was having like these crappy workouts on Tuesday or getting a little dinged up or just, just not recovering. And I was talking to Ray Tracy and Ray's like, yeah, my good runners, I just skip the next workout. I was like, huh? Skip the workout. And he's so like, that had, that had to be like a, that had to be like a real <laughs> shocker of a, yeah, it, it, yeah. it goes against the orthodoxy of what you've grown up with and that you've oh, yeah. done. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and, and I, I don't know exactly Ray's training, but I think they operate like on a 10 day plan or something just for that reason, for his good runners. And okay. so like, so when I was at Dartmouth, I found out that like the, the slower kids on the team that couldn't get as much out of their body, they were ready to go on Tuesday. Tuesday. Okay. But the Abbeys and Alexi Pappas's and like, you know, I was helping Ben True up there at the time and Sam Chalanga, really good guys. Like right, they could right. get so much out of their bodies that they needed a little bit more time to recover. And okay. so what we, what I started to do one was like, we'd run the hard race on Saturday. I'd make Sunday kind of an easy day, maybe do a, not a good long run, but you know, more like a, a media 12 mile. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. On a, yeah. on a Monday and then hold off until Friday mm. and less injuries, better recovery, people in better moods. Uh, and oh, so it the, really was everything. I mean, it was yeah. really the whole person yep. kind of and so yep. what so that was the uh, uh so that fed into the b plus uh, effort to a plus result kind of I, yes I like when i was at i always thought i could run a little bit faster times but that but i never did and i think it's because like i ran too hard you know in college like just we would hammer yeah. our workouts and and then and then like when you start running with like john tracy and those guys they don't hammer every workout or billy rogers or or whatever like another story ron could have been at this i don't know but like my first workout ever on on um nike boston i i went to dadum and it was just a tuesday night or a friday night and people were doing 20 times 400 it's literally the first time i like met Steph face to face and they were like i'm gonna say there were like 20 or 25 people doing 20 by 400 meters on the track and billy rogers was there bick was there and then like a little pip squeak like me just showing up you know like tommy carlio was there oh wow um, wow and and there were like 20 of us 
just doing <laughs> quarters off a minute rest. I don't remember how fast they were, 65. I don't know. But it's, it doesn't matter. It, that, it, 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 with that volume, it doesn't really matter, right? It's, yeah, it's just yeah. out there. Yeah. And, and I was like, I'm giving up with Bruce Dickford in a workout. And Bruce, Bruce was like number one in the world, the 10, like 10, right around there. Yeah, right, right, right. One yeah. of those years, you know. I don't know. Were you there, Ron? Do you ever, ever remember? I, I wasn't at that workout, but I, I ran a lot with Bruce. And yeah. most of his runs were at a moderate pace. He wouldn't necessarily hammer. And then, yeah. obviously, you know, you'd have a workout with Fred Tressel on the golf course and where I could keep up on the distance runs. I couldn't keep up on those, those workouts. Well, but, but, but yeah. you quoted, didn't you quote him saying he never ran with Fitzinger because Pete ran too hard? Well, occasionally it would, but yeah, they, they were two different approaches. Definitely. Yeah. 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 I think, yeah, I mean, I think Pete, uh, Pete, I'm sorry, Pete ran hard on the, on the distances. And I think Vic just did on the ran speed. Ran hard on the hard days. Yeah. Speed and then yeah. moderate, moderate on the, on the yeah. distance. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it, it, it definitely worked for, for Pete. I, I, I think a lot of people tended to break down with that approach. Yeah, yeah. He, he was a bull. He, he was he could, yeah. he, he could handle anything. And then do it day after day. Yeah. yeah. And then when I went out to like to Boulder, I mean, Arturo had the world record and like we would do 16 times 400 and like 64 and I could keep up like no problem. You know, and I was like, why can I keep up with this guy? And he can go run 2708 or whatever he ran and go win beta breakers and stuff like that. And like Arturo was just like, he was never overtraining. He was just like, you know, just, you know, working on his threshold, improving his running economy. And he was just a machine. And he was, he, I, I must have been with him for, I don't know, five, eight years. I don't think he was ever injured once. He might get a niggle here. Oh my there, goodness. I don't wow. think he was ever like seriously injured. And, and he, Arturo also showed me like when you're done running, he would get like a banana or something in them as soon as possible. Like before, like any of this stuff was around about getting food back in you the first 20, 30 minutes after a workout. Mm -hmm. So you can refuel, you know, more efficiently and quicker, you know, or Arturo would go right to the health club and get in the pool and swim a half a mile. Or get the massage or something like that. Mm -hmm. I mean, there, there was some sort of, so, so um, could you give us a sense um of, of the other, you know, uh, uh, two or three more of the big lessons you would like readers to, to um, uh, you know, uh, come away from I, as, as I, you think about the book. Because we're, we're get, we want to make, we, we'd love to have more time, so, but we're also recognizing the reality of, of the hour. Yeah, I think like the, the biggest thing that if I had to get something across yeah. to people would be is if you really want to have a good race at something is get the work in but don't let it take over your life. Mm -hmm. So I think okay. I imagine most people that are going to buy my book are going to be like, they're not going to be 27, 30, 10 K guys. They're going to be more like 30, 30, 32 minute guys. Mm -hmm. And I would say like, you, you gotta, you get, you get, it has to be a priority. So like, mm -hmm. you know, you, you have to have goals, you have to have a long-term goal. So like, I would say, write it down or stick it on your refrigerator or tell the people that you care about. This is something that you want to do. So you have a little bit of a support system, but don't, like, as we were saying earlier, don't let it take over your life. So yeah, if, yeah. so if you have a, if you have a busy week and, and you have a huge meeting on Tuesday, but you're, you're supposed to be doing some kind of hard session, don't lose sleep over that session to Wednesday. So I would say, you know, have your goals out there, but still be flexible and um, don't let it take over your life. And, and so, so when I wrote this training in the book, if you look at it, like we wrote, we wrote, I wrote, I wrote it hundred <laughs> percent. You, um, 
there's different mileage levels. Yep. And but in each program, the mileage levels also can go up and down, dependent on where you are, you know, and how you're within feeling. a range. So it's yeah, yeah, a big range. Which most like this is the first book that I've seen that really gives you a little bit of flexibility okay. to to use your own best judgment in your training that you have you can take ownership of it. And that that was my idea. And Scott like Scott thought it was a like a brilliant a brilliant idea. And that's kind of how I operate with the team. Like they, the team, New Balance Boston, they have to have ownership of this team. Like, like I might really want someone on the team. And if they don't think it's a good match, the people on the team, I won't bring this person on board. Oh, and, literally the runner. I mean, it, it, the culture is that important to you. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, okay. I feel like we've created a little family or a college cross country team. We, all you guys are in college cross country and you know how how tight knit and what a wonderful team that is. It's like, it's got to be tighter than a football team or a baseball team or something like that. And um, that that's what I really tried to create. Knock on wood, we're there most of the time, you know, like, right. like, like a family, we have a few battles here and there, but at sure. and the end of the day, everybody's looking out for each other. Yeah. Seems like a really nice group of young women. Yeah. 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 I'm lucky. I mean, I'm lucky. Like I, like I, I'm kind of, somehow I fell into all this and you know and Jim Davis at New Balance likes me a lot and he built us a brand new track you know which, which, is, awesome. yeah. which is amazing yeah. I think all of us yeah. were up at up at the indoor games that was just uh, that was fabulous we could hear you from across the infield that's for sure yeah, so with, when, when Heather was running that 1500 there's no question yeah, yeah. you should have you should have seen us in the Olympic trials when Ellie was first and Heather was third. And then like I coached Helen at Dartmouth who was fifth and I coached Corey for like five years. She went out to Boulder the year before. So like I really coached one, two, three and five. And in that that race at one point, it was, that was like the highlight for me so far. So, you know, so we're in kind of an interesting year. You've got Budapest, the worlds um, and um, oh my gosh, I wish we, we had a little bit uh, a little bit more time. Can you just make a one or two? Uh, so we've got some interesting juxtapositions. We've got worlds coming up. Uh, Paris is not that far away. We've, we've got mm-hmm. all that. And I don't want to end on kind of a, a any kind of controversial note. Can you give me, what's your sense of the positives of, of the development in technology, certainly when it comes to the shoes themselves, and, and maybe it's more training versus racing, but right. what do you see as the plus, what do you see as the pluses? Because there's a part of me, I will, I will confess, I'm an old curmudgeon. Yeah. I used to run yeah. in leather five miles to school, uphill each yeah. way, you know, that kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah. I'm a little bit skeptical, but, but yeah. I also know that there's a benefit. So help, help us a little bit. For, how would you persuade me? How's that? Well, <laughs> well, at first I was just, I was envious like you. I was like, geez, if I had those, you know, like if you get five minutes in a marathon, that's a pretty good marathoner, you know, yeah. or if you get a second a lap in a 10 or something like that's pretty good. So at first I was just like a little bit jealous, Yeah. but, and I didn't like how Nike was sneaking them into like Rio and the Olympic trials. Uh-huh. And so I was like, I, if, if it's a level playing field and everybody can have the same you know, the same equipment or, or they right. work the same. It doesn't have to be the exact same equipment, but they have to be, you know, the new Parallel. balances. Yeah. Parallel. Exactly. That's what I was yeah. looking for. Yeah. That, that then, then I'm okay. But the other thing, the other thing that I'm not great, that I'm not so excited about them. I think that people that are inefficient and in their running economies, not that great. Mm-hmm. get 
a much better benefit out of them than someone that is really efficient, beautiful runner. So like oh, if you take okay. someone like my daughter, Katrina, she has the most, nicest form that you've ever seen and it's, it's just perfect. And so I don't think she, she does not get as much out of the shoes as someone that's kind of like all over the place. So like, a, I'm thinking like, like a uh, Paul McCloy or somebody like that from Canada, something like that. Yeah. Who had really yeah. I think there's some like, I, I think there's some super responders to the shoes when other people, there's some oh, people that aren't getting the super response. So like when, when, when that happens, I'm not that excited about them, you know, but it's, it's where, it's where we're, go we're it's going. where we're going. Yeah. What about injury? I mean, does it, you know, I've heard some arguments so, to say that certainly the super shoes, at least in training, yeah. that the theory of the recovery is real. Do you, yeah. do you, so do you I think that so manifest? Still, or? Yeah. So, so like a couple, a few years ago, I think there were, a few more injuries from them because people hadn't the, the shoe companies quite hadn't quite figured them out yet and things like that so there were a lot more like lower leg issues like more achilles issues and more things with the knees and, and i think they've kind of cleared that up now and i think that like like you're saying you know people can do a hard 20 mile or on a sunday now in in the shoes and feel pretty good on tuesday whereas okay. when i was running if i went hard on a hard 20 mile or with right. plaques or something i was beat up my quads beat were beat up. up you know yeah sore and yeah. had to recover so i think i think people can train maybe a little bit harder in these things and we're still try we're still getting there and figuring it out um okay and, uh -huh. and the technology is still improving um but I just want it to be fair for everybody. If it's fair for everybody, a level playing field. Yeah, no, that, yep. that, that yep. I don't, you know, if everybody's doing it, then you yeah, know, that that's one thing. Uh, so, Mark, we we really do have to bring it to a close, unfortunately. Um, I, I think there's some of us here that we we'd love to keep going and, and probe a couple of these things. It, it it's. I think it's it's marvelous that you're giving back in such a fashion in such a significant <laughs> way. You. That's got to, that's got to feel really good. Um, it does. And and with good people, I mean, you know, Ron mm -hmm. was saying, you know, uh, you know, your daughter's been doing some great things with high school kids, and so it's mm -hmm. it's kind of that next wave, you know. It's, yeah. It's it's, it's yeah. having all that out. Um, it, you know, where are we going to see you and the team next? Where can you give us a quick uh, a, a slice of what your schedule's looking like over the next uh, yeah. six weeks or so? Yeah. So we we got up here to flag about a week or two ago, okay. and um, a, a few of us are going to run. No, I'm not running. I'm well, you're coming out of retirement, huh? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> new hip and all. And then, um, uh, next week on um, May 6th, uh, at Mount Sack is a sound sound running. Uh, I don't know what I forget what it's called, but it's at Mount Sack next Saturday. Sounds putting it on. There's some really good races, some good 15s and fives. So, we're okay. gonna throw a couple people in there. Um, we're not, we're not really resting up for it. We're just doing our regular training because okay. we haven't even been up here four weeks yet. So it's like, it doesn't really make sense to go down, but right. we need races. So like, so we just, we just drive, we'll just drive there, run the race and then try to get back up to altitude as fast as we can. Okay. And then people are going to run in that meet that Bob Kersey is putting on, on May Down 25th and 26th at UCLA. UCLA. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then, um, Heather's going to run in if not whatever is healthy and not sick or whatever well, sure, right sure. now heather's going to run in rabat the diamond league in rabat okay um i think it's may 28th i'm not looking at the calendar and then stay over there and run in the rome diamond league which is in florence this year on june 3rd and then come back come back to boston and, and, and um, nationals at the end of june nationals is july 6th july 6th to july 9th oh late year. okay because so, of that's right because well, budapest well, is late 
Yeah, and it's not because of that. It's because of um, because the, it would be it would be the normal time if USATF could control it. But World Athletics has decided that there's only two weekends that you can have your outdoor national championships. And oh, June sixth to June 9th is one, and then two weeks later it's the next one. And if you can have your championship whenever you want, but they're not going to let it, they're not going to give it any count. gold level as point. yeah, points. The times will count. And the points are massive now because yeah. they want, it seems like they want more people going to the Worlds and Olympics off of points than times. Interesting. Yes. Yeah, so yeah, I knew so, there was that evolution, but yeah. yeah. So they forced, they forced USATF's hand to have to meet um, July 6th. In to one July of those 9th. two windows. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Yep. So, that's so we're another... trying to figure out how to do it because now like everything shifted. Like, like it kind of takes like i thought it would be fun to run 10 relays but now 10 relays is too early right right you know right. And yeah, like, so periodization the whole nine yards in terms of how you plan for it yeah, yeah so we just kind of looked at july 6 and like let's go backwards until where we are well figure it out well i want to thank you for uh mark coogan for for spending this hour plus with uh john gorman and ron galuli and myself grant whitney it's been a real pleasure talking with massachusetts first sub four minute miler two-time olympic marathoner and these days really known primarily as william katrina and margaret's dad in addition to being coach <laughs> for team new balance and co-author with scott douglas of personal best running Coach Coogan's strategies for the mile to the marathon. I'm sure all of us can get something out of it, whether we've hung it up or uh, if we still want to pull out those shoes again and make sure we time the right way. Mark, thank you so much for joining us on the Runner's Reunion podcast. Thanks for having me. This, This was actually a lot of fun. So thanks again.